Welcome to Kids Talk Church History, a one-of-a-kind podcast where kids investigate the history of the church. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Has he kept his promise? How has Jesus built and preserved his church against all odds? Come with us on a trip through history to find the answer here on Kids Talk Church History. Grace and peace in Christ, my dearly beloved son, it pleases me to hear that you are studying well and praying diligently. Do this, my son, and keep it up. When I come home, I will bring you a nice gift from the fair. I know a pretty, lovely, pleasant garden where many children go. They wear golden coats and gather nice apples, pears, cherries, and plums from under the trees. They sing, jump, and are merry. They also have pretty little horses with golden bridles and silver saddles. This is what Martin Luther, who is known as the father of the Protestant Reformation, wrote to his four-year-old son, Hans. Hans could go to this garden, Luther said, if he would make sure to study and pray. In fact, he could also bring his friends Lippus Melanchthon and Joss Jonas. And if they all come together, Luther continued, they will also get whistles and drums, lutes, and all kinds of stringed instruments. They will also dance and shoot with small crossbows. Welcome to Kids Talk Church History. My name is Lucy. I'm 16 and I live in San Diego, California. I am Trindy. I'm 15 years old and I live in Charleston, South Carolina. And I am Mina. I'm 13 and I live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Now, it's almost October 31st. Halloween, right? Well, if you're a Protestant, this day means a lot more than candy and trick-or-treating. It was on October 31st, 1517, that a German friar named Martin Luther nailed 95 propositions to the door of the local church. Some were questions he had been considering for a while. For example, why did some bishops sell pieces of paper that granted forgiveness of sins? Did the church have the power to do that? Isn't that an easy way to solve the problem of sin, just paying some money? He didn't mean to rebel against his authorities. He just wanted to have a discussion. But the bishops and even the Pope refused to take him seriously. At the same time, many people were glad because he gave voice to their questions. Soon, his propositions, or his thesis, were published in many languages and distributed everywhere. Today, we would say that they went viral. Many people believe that was the start of the Protestant Reformation. Throughout the course of time, Luther realized that selling papers that guarantee God's forgiveness was only one of the many problems of the church of his time. He realized that, in many ways, they had fallen away from the scriptures. I'm sure most of our listeners know at least something about Martin Luther, and we're planning to talk more about him in a future episode. But since this is a kid's podcast, we wanted to start with a subject few people mention, Luther's love for children. Lucy, some of our listeners might wonder, you said he was a friar, but he told the story about the garden to his son Hans. Friars don't usually have children, right? Usually, no, they don't, because they take a vow promising God not to marry. So how come Luther had children? Well, by the time Luther was married, he was no longer a friar. But that was also one of the changes during the Reformation. Monks, friars, and priests realized that the Bible never said they could not get married. For many centuries, monks had avoided marriage because they thought it would distract them from their prayer and work for God. But Luther and others explained that getting married and having children are good ways to learn to be unselfish and patient while still caring for others. The letter you read was really cute, Lucy. I think my younger brothers would love playing in the garden like that. 
<laughs> with little horses, whistles, drums, and crossbows. I'm not sure about lutes, but maybe some other instrument. I'd love to go to that garden too. Well, as Luther said, you'd have to study well and pray diligently. I read that Luther had six children, one less than our family, but life was much harder in his day. One of his children, Elizabeth, died when she was a baby, and another, Magdalena, died when she was only 14. He was extremely heartbroken when his daughters died. When Elizabeth died, he told a friend, It is amazing what a sick heart she has left to me. So much grief for her overcomes me. And when Magdalena died of an illness, he said, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I love her very much. If the flesh is so strong, what must the spirit be? It seems that he was really surprised by how strong grief could be, but his pain helped him to understand other parents who lost their children as well. I also learned that he learned a lot from his children. He was surprised to see that one of his sons, Hans, could be cheerful and respectful with him at the same time. He thought that was something that adults find difficult to do with God. Do you think that's true? I think that although it can be difficult sometimes, I can be both cheerful and respectful with my father. And what about you? It's the same for me. But maybe we can ask our guest if it's really harder for adults to be both cheerful and respectful with God. Dr. Robert Kolb will join us in a moment. But first, before we move on to that, let's read a question from our listeners. There are actually two questions from Owen and Emma in Escondido, California. What was Martin Luther like as a father, and how did he teach the Christian faith to his children? Both great questions. Listeners, you can send your questions to be answered here on the podcast to this email address, questions at kidstalkchurchhistory.org. And remember, when you send us a question, you will be entered for an opportunity to win a book about church history. That's questions at kidstalkchurchhistory.org. And now joining us as promised, we have Dr. Robert Cole, Professor Emeritus of Systematic Theology at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. Dr. Cole knows just about anything there is to know about Luther. Thank you so much for coming to our podcast. It's a delight to, to be here. Um, when I was your age and even a little younger, I was reading books about church history in the public library in Fort Dodge, Iowa. And I think it's just great. Uh, that your interest in the history of the church and, and our fellow saints, we might say, from other eras are, are really important to us. Dr. Kolb, what would you say to Owen and Emma, who asked, what was Martin Luther like as a father, and how did he teach the Christian faith to his children? Uh, you've already um, sort of hinted at that with the, some of the stories you've told. Um, on the one hand, he was quite strict, and he, he wrote to the, uh, I would say, high school teacher uh, when his son Hans went off to a, a nearby city to uh, be what we would call a freshman in high school, and he wrote, told him, he doesn't always behave, so you have to be very strict with him. Um, but he, he, we have every indication that he was also a very loving father. Um, it's sometimes said that he suffered under his parents um, because they punished him. Well, are there any of us who don't have memories of being punished by our parents? So I don't think that the stories that are often talked about give you a real indication of uh, what his, his life as a child was. And the way he treated his own children, I think he, he must have had very good parenting. But uh, with his own children, you see, especially in the stories of the deaths of Elizabeth and uh, Magdalena, how 
precious his children were and how strong uh, his love for them was. Magdalena was 14. So he reports on her confession of the faith in Jesus Christ and her hope of the resurrection. And he wrote a very uh, beautiful little poem after she had died. Uh, I don't know that it went on a tombstone, but it could have, in which she really presented the Christian faith that she had had. So um, the family gathered for what we would call maybe family devotions, family meditations each evening. And he, he wrote his catechism out of, out of his own experiences with his children. That's great. Uh, you mentioned that he really loved his children and that he disciplined them. What does your title of emeritus mean? It means I'm old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a, a, a title that's used for um, professors, but, but also for other people. Uh, when they retire. And um, my uh, colleagues don't always think that I've deserved the title because I'm not terribly retired, uh, but I'm having too much fun teaching and um, talking to people like you about the things that, that God has helped me learn about for uh, uh, 50, 60 years already. And uh, so I enjoy retirement because it's not very uh, retired. <laughs> That's great. Um, as you've heard, Luther was surprised to see that one of his sons, Hans, could be cheerful and respectful with him at the same time. He thought that that was something that adults find difficult to do with God. Do you think this is true? Do adults have a hard time being both cheerful and respectful with God? I think so. Um, I read a, a rather free translation of that passage, um, which said, Hans knows that I love him, but he looks at me and he knows I'm a whole lot bigger than he is. And uh, he didn't actually say this, but he said the equivalent of it. And he knows I could slap him across the room with one swoop of the hand. Um, that, that's a very free translation. Um, and, and so there's this sense. I think North American adults today have trouble maybe with the respect side more than the cheerful side. Um, although there are, are, there are those who feel guilty, who feel ashamed, who simply feel fearful and don't have a, a, an easy time being cheerful with God. But we lack what uh, is sometimes called a sense of awe or a sense of wonder. Uh, you and I live in a world that's totally touched by human hands. Uh, you can't think of very much, I'll bet, that um, you rely directly on God for. Everything is supplied for us. Most of us don't live on the farm anymore, so we, we don't feel that a, a windstorm could wipe out our crops and our income for the year. And so we have a hard time of sensing how wonderful and how noble and how great our God really is. Uh, we need to read the book of Job and uh, confront the behemoth and uh, some of those things that, that Job felt as God showed him the universe, as he was telling him, oh, why don't you be Job and not worry about things, and I'll be God, and I'll take care of you. And that's the way the book of Job ends. And, and so um, Luther had that sense of the greatness of God. Uh, and at the same time, he knew that God has shown his love in Jesus Christ, that God was willing to sacrifice his own life on the cross in the sense that we can't explain that doesn't make sense that god dies 
Um, but Jesus Christ came uh, as the God who is also totally human. And um, he, he showed his love to us. And uh, so the open arms of Jesus can't help but make us uh, cheerful, even in the midst of sorrow, even when we're very sad. Uh, Jesus uh, reminds us of how much God loves us. And uh, that may not uh, make us say whoopee, but it does make us say, in the end, things will be okay. Yeah, so what you were saying, like all that stuff about adults struggling to like find awe of God, I feel like that can also apply to uh, kids like us. Like they don't exactly have to be adults for that to happen. And I think the reason that's um, that happens to adults is because they don't have that foundation as a as a child. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but I, do I see a telescope in the background by you? Yeah, that is it. It's a telescope. Yeah, it's it lets you peer into the magnificence of God's whole creation. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's really neat. That is um, one way of keeping off for God. Yeah. Curiosity. Yeah. Well, um, back to Luther. I've read that Luther made a point of bringing back presents for his children whenever he traveled. But if he didn't have time to get any, get anything, he'd ask his wife, Katharina, to buy something that he could give them when he arrived. Um, yeah. Do you have any other stories about Luther as a father? I just think, I think you know, that was a wonderful way of, of teaching his kids that fathers give gifts to their children. And God the Father gives gifts of all kinds, including eternal life, um, but including the gift of the heavens that, that you're looking at through your telescope and, and the gift of, of what we're eating today and, and, uh, and the rest we get at night. So um, there's that sense that Luther appreciated. He, he started out before he started what we call the Reformation, he started out thinking of God as only a demanding father. And I think too many people in our day reflect our own culture and think of God as a neglectful father. He's just not, he's not very present. And Luther just pounded home to his children um, that God is really present in your life. And he comes um, to be present with you, even in the loneliest hours. And it's in those moments where we think we're abandoned by God, that God is uh, standing with us. Uh, Luther could also talk about uh, God playing with us, just as parents tease their kids. He said, sometimes God teases us, um, throws us up in the air, and we're always hoping that he will catch us. It's something we observe in little kids. The smaller, I suppose, the better. They just absolutely have confidence in the parents when they throw them up in the air. If somebody throws me up in the air, I don't think I'm going to be very comfortable. But little kids just love that. And, um, and so that's the way God is with us. Uh, sometimes he plays with us in ways that are very scary for us. But we come out of those experiences with stronger trust in him. And we, we learn to realize that he... He may not be visible. He may not be uh, seeming to be present, but he's lurking around the corner and he's there to catch us. Um, I have read some of the small catechism and my favorite question and answer is about um, 
God giving us our daily bread in the Lord's prayer. The question is, what does this mean? And the answer is, God gives us daily bread, even without our prayer, to all wicked men. But we pray in this petition that he would lead us to know it and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. This seems very appropriate for children. Did he write the catechism especially for children? He did. Um, catechism was a word that until Luther's time simply meant Christian instruction. And, and uh, until his time, it happened usually uh, in sermons. Uh, there weren't always schools in the villages. So when people got a glimpse of the catechism, heard anything about it, it was in sermons. And Luther said, uh, we really need to get, get these basics of the faith the things we need to know most across. Uh, so he took the outline of instruction in the Middle Ages, which included the Ten Commandments, uh, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. And uh, he said that from the Ten Commandments, we learn what it is to be a sinner, uh, as well as we, we learn God's will for us, and we, we notice we haven't done it. So that's kind of the diagnosis. And then in the creed, we confess God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as our creator and our deliverer from sin and, and the one who, who leads us to, to uh, faith and to live holy lives. And uh, so then in confidence, we pray our way into daily life. And uh, so the, the question uh, you read illustrates so effectively that we're going to get what God's giving us, and he gives generously, but it's so much more fun to get things when we recognize how thankful we ought to be. And, and to have a thankful heart is to have a joyful heart. Uh, it means dependence on God, but the fact of the matter is we are dependent on God. And so that, that idea that you should give thanks is, I suppose, something that parents always are trying to teach their children. But it's something that, um, when our parents have taught us, comes naturally, and it just makes life so much better to be thankful. Well, thank you, Dr. Kolb, uh, for sharing some answers and answering our questions for us. Um, but it's now time that we have to say goodbye. So make sure you visit our website, kidstalkchurchhistory.org. Again, it's kidstalkchurchhistory.org. That's where you'll find all our podcasts, special offers, news, and more. Also, if you liked what you heard, give us a good rating and don't forget to tell your friends where they can find us. In partnership with Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals and on behalf of my co-hosts Lucy and Mina, I'm Trinity. And thank you so much for joining us today. 